Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Monday is upon us, and unfortunately, Mother Nature not being nice to some of the folks as we look at the at the swath that is left as it moved out of Nebraska into Iowa, into areas of Wisconsin and Illinois, as uh, she kind of reared her ugly head. And we've definitely seen those pictures on social media of some fields that don't look good, some grain bins that don't look any better. And add to it, we do have a USDA report this week. We also have a crop report coming out, um, like we always do on, on Monday, crop progress update. And so we're going to find out what's been happening in these market trades today. Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing. And and Sam, as we look, let's first of all talk about the weather. You're looking at it from your neck of the woods. It isn't there. should hit southern to you guys. But things aren't looking good right now for some of these growers. Yeah, you know, you look at the phone coming across and the fact that uh, much of, you know, you know, central, you know, pretty much Des Moines East it was the good parts of Iowa. And it seems like, uh, you know, Des Moines, Cedar Rapids in there is going to get uh, a pretty good shot here. Seen plenty of uh, flat corn. And, and obviously uh, you hate to see the bin sites set, you know, screwed up like that because the timing of this is, is just not good. You know, trying to get all this stuff back up and running ahead of harvest in a, in a timely manner is going to be a challenge. Um, it, you wonder what it can do from a yield standpoint for that state, too. Uh, we know that uh, western Iowa has been, been pretty dry, and I think probably yield expectations lagging there. But overall, uh, you know, that was kind of viewed uh, from the marketplace as an inconsequential factor, uh, given how good it is everywhere else. So definitely catching some attention today. Uh, does, does this impact an August, you know, crop report? Mm, you know, not likely. Uh, don't think we're going to change a lot of trajectory there. I think we'll confirm what everyone already believes, that we've got a pretty good crop coming and still trying to evaluate how demand can combat that, uh, even though we're honing in on the supply side here. Well, let's talk a little bit about this report that comes out later this week from the USDA. Do you expect any surprises, or is this just going to be kind of a blip on the radar? Let's move forward. You know, I think it's more about the US, USDA methodology. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, when these farmer surveys were taken here early August going into this, uh, expectations and sentiment was very high with the crop. Um, we, you know, as mentioned, we did have some of those dry areas in Iowa, but largely uh, the rest of the Corn Belt has been in pretty good shape. So, uh, you know, with farmer, you know, being very optimistic, satellite data is going to be, you know, good too. That's the other thing that that's based off of. I think the question here is how does the USDA set the bar? Do we come in over the top and then ratchet down from there moving forward, or do we stair-step it? Uh, and see a more measured approach, given that we're not out of the month of August yet here. So forecasts look pretty good, though. Um, you know, we're getting some warmer temperatures in here this week. Rainfall looks uh, sporadic enough to keep things moving along. And areas that don't get this real heavy wind and, and crop damage is, you know, going to get another shot of uh, moisture to help finish this crop off. Do we expect any surprises in this afternoon's report? Not really. I mean, I think we should see condition rating steadier or better. There's no reason to think that uh, anyone moved backwards in a big way. But I would keep an eye on, on Iowa as a state on their own because some of these uh, rainfall you know, totals from last week weren't you know, quite as impressive as what some had hoped for uh, and definitely saw some crops probably go backwards in that fashion. Is it a complete disaster? No. Um, you know, there again, from a surprise standpoint, I think it's going to be, you know, does the trade have a, you know, more optimistic you know, outlook given how good weather has been, good how good ratings have been? Are we baking this, you know, poor sentiment in on the front end? Uh, and what selling will be left by the time we finally advertise, you know, the highest numbers we're going to see? Some improvements on the weekly exports of last week. Corn, what, 1.15 million metric tons? Not too bad. 
Not too bad. Yeah, we got plenty of it to, to send around, and, and I think that's the challenge here today is people see these constant sales announcements to China, be it corn, be it beans, uh, and it's almost like there's a built-in concern about, oh, well, that'll just get canceled later. And I think what we have to kind of keep an eye on is once we, you know, once we pass the supply-side fear, keep in mind part of this is still entrenched with the old crop that's still got to come to market with September going off the board. That could be as detrimental to markets as, as what we've been seeing uh, on the yield side of things. So keep in mind we've got that factor too. Um, you know, but moving forward, you know, where do we end up on this on the whole thing? We're going to you know switch from the focus being on the supply side back to the demand side uh, before we go back to the supply side for South America towards the end of the year. Uh, in the meantime, we'll continue to probably see you know somewhat of a suppressed dollar. Hopefully, we can garner some good export sales in that time frame. If we can't pick that up, um, you know, it, going into that election, going into the year end, it's going to put us in a tough situation when we're starting to talk about harvest for the, the southern hemisphere again. You talk about China and the fear that's out there of the backing out. Some of the reports and even conversations I've had with, with some commodity guys who have employees over there is to say that, hey, they're really ramping up their pork production and they're trying to kind of do what we're doing here in the United States when it comes to, to buildings and, and the way to raise these pigs. So they're going to need the feed. So you think that's adding to the need and the reason why we're seeing so many buys right now? I think that's part of it. And, the, you know, the demand side of it is always a slow burn. Um, you know, the downside is that it's it's not as, uh, you know, maybe as sexy of a rally, but it, it can be more sustained and it can also take a longer period of time. And I guess my opinion on them backing out, I'm not saying they can't do that. Obviously, there's a lot of politics involved here. When you look at the value of the dollar, where they're getting these purchases made, the time of year, and how much the South American farmers have sold, you know, if they got over half their crop forward contract and they get into a production situation, that puts everybody in a bit of a bind. So I would expect to see China continue with these, uh, you know, purchases and at least, even if they are going to cancel these, at least hang on probably towards the end of the year, even after that, uh, to assure that South American supplies are there and there is no production problem, but hopefully they'll stick. Uh, the wheat had the struggle today with definite lower numbers. They were just chopping and couldn't find a way up. Yeah, and I think this set around, you know, this round of USDA data is going to be more, mostly inconsequential for the wheat market. I think it could be impacted uh, from a price standpoint more on how corn and beans are impacted and how the, you know, spreading takes place. Uh, we're seeing better yields in the Black Sea region. We've kind of gotten beyond the fear of the poor yields in the EU. And, you know, Australia's, you know, mending their drought uh, scenario, and we've got plenty of stocks in Canada. So kind of go back to the same old story, and that is USC, you know, being on that outside looking in from an export demand standpoint. Uh, because of our large carrying charges here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, I guess you still hope at some point here we can we can shift some acres out of corn and beans and back to wheat. But I think we've got to hang on to that, you know, at least a $5 handle to, to, you know, justify that. All right, let's take around, folks. We come back. We do have more of this Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. SM Hudson continues to join us. We'll take a look at the livestock side. Also see about these outside market influences, how much of that's going to be factored into what we see in these markets as we move forward this week. And, of course, We'll keep you up to date on what we're seeing crop damage-wise with what has happened moving across swaths of Iowa. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing, and we, we switch gears and we look over what's happy on the livestock side. And I guess this does kind of tie back to what we're seeing in the grain complex. But is there some nervousness from the cash on the livestock and just the livestock markets in general as we wait for this USDA grain report this week? 
I think it's been a little more tepid. Obviously, you know, there's a lot that goes, uh, you know, into you know feed costs and stuff like that. When we see these reports, are we going to send corn to 275 or 280? Are we going to bounce it because everyone overestimated, you know, what kind of a yield we were going to print it this month? Uh, there again, you know, kind of tie back to. Uh, the delivery process for corn with, with funds you know being short a pretty good size amount you know 200,000 contracts are they going to bail on that um, you know if there's weaker markets probably not they're going to wait till that runs its course uh, but it'll, it becomes a stalemate you know it can only last so long and I think that's what we're starting to see in this live cattle market we're going to get a little bit of uh, intrepidation here you got some prices that are probably worth taking a look at from a hedging standpoint uh, the feeder cattle market from the cash side of things seems like it's leveled off a bit uh, and, and, and seeing some prices out of Oklahoma two three dollars lower here today to start the week. So it uh, just feels like the future has got to make the next move. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see a bit of a correction here in some of these markets, but uh, they're going to be underpinned at least for the short term. I think you just got to be a little bit more cautious on rallies at this point. Is it going to be a late week cash cattle trade this week? I, I think we have to assume that, especially with USDA data here coming on uh, on Wednesday, uh, and we'll see how we can compare on Friday, uh, you know, by the time the end of the week shows around. And keep uh, keep in mind, too, manage money, and we talk about that in the, in the grains. They're actually on the long side of these cattle markets, and with the technicals pointed up, that, that's good initially on breaks, but keep in mind that eventually it's going to open the market up to, you know, liquidation risk at some point. So we have seen, I mean, this last week we saw some definitely strong cash cattle trade. Is that trend going to continue this week as we look at well, these numbers? I mean, like I said, the downside is going to be somewhat limited just because of the sheer numbers of it. And I think you have to get one side or the other in a bit of a you know, panic, I guess, if you will, or you know, signal that this market's changing. I think there's still a lot of economic concerns, too. But, you know, it seems like week after week after week, uh, you know, we continue to see optimism in equities. Uh, but certainly a lot of question marks about how we're going to wrap this year up after a, a more than rocky start. So has the cattle and the hogs, have we seen that backlog started to really catch up in earnest that – we might be okay going into the fall? I think so. You know, these slaughter rates have caught up. I think the risk of a complete shutdown is kind of behind us, uh, at least in people's minds, and I think that reflects in the market as well. Uh, you know, I think even though we continue to see, you know, X number of cases reported, uh, when you look at the deaths and hospitalization rates, I think that, you know, bodes optimism when we talk about COVID in general. Uh, but until the election's over, I think a lot of this is going to remain, uh, you know, very intense from a you know, headline and politics standpoint. Is there some optimism for the lean hogs? Yeah, you know, we've got, uh, you know, League of Hog Index it made a nice bottom down there around 45. Uh, we've gotten all the way back up to the mid-50s now, and I think it's it's kind of Biden its time, too. You know, how far can we run? Uh, I guess I wouldn't rule out a, a trade up to 65, but we would have to continue to see these really strong export figures, uh, and they look good. You know, the October contract closed really strong today, uh, and I think it bodes building a little bit of premium here into this October-December market. Uh, but when you look at February 60, April 66, it, it still provides a lot of question marks about where we're going to be next year. And, and as you mentioned, China, um, ASF, they're going to be so much more efficient. They're going to need so much more feed. But go back to that first point, efficient. They're going to be producing again. Uh, and, and that could you know, eventually affect our uh, export rates. So looking at the fact that we are the 10th of August, I mean, for some folks have looked to the south, we're not very off, far off from getting this fall harvest underway. What are some things that we need to be thinking about, both from a grain and a livestock perspective, to be able to get that best price possible? Uh, I, on the grain side, I definitely think you've got to, you know, be mindful of basis. Uh, you know, if you've got storage, leverage it. If you don't have storage, leverage it. Know where your, you know, risks are on getting caught with anything, especially if you're in an area that's going to have, uh, you know, big yields. Uh, I think one thing to keep an eye on here for these folks in Iowa with these elevator problems is are all these 
you know, facility is going to be able to be rebuilt by harvest, and is that going to affect logistics? So uh, always got to be mindful about what's possible. Uh, nobody, you know, let's face it, nobody's going to like the flat price out here, um, but finding a home for things, you know, figuring out if you need to retain ownership and know where your risk is too from an insurance standpoint with this ARC and PLC programs, um, you know, the, the risk is constantly needing to be reevaluated. From a cattle standpoint, I think you just got to be respectful of, of profitability. Uh, we know time and time again, you know, how, how bad it is getting caught in a situation like that. I can support the idea of put options from these levels because it may be locking in those margins, but as strong as these charts are and, and you know, the current dynamic, no one wants to get handcuffed either. As, as over the weekend, the livestock uh, feeder pulled me aside and said, Susan, let's get some big numbers when it comes to these crops because he goes, I need to buy some cheaper feed. So obviously livestock guys are thinking about it. They're obviously thinking about it, and cheap, you know the, the feed is cheap, and, and I think that's something to keep in mind too. Is that what's the upside risk? What if we, you know, have these high high expectations, and then all of a sudden we realize, wow, look at the how many of these unshipped sales are stacked up, and by the way, we found a high in the yield already. I think that's what we've got to find. I think uh, you know it's pretty high odds that we could make a low in this market here over the next few weeks. And again, the delivery process you can see September contracts could play a role in that. All right, best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam. <laughs> 800-655-3380 or www.cornbuttmarketing.com. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Just a reminder that commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.